Hey folks, welcome to episode 162 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Peter Peak. He's a friend of mine from my youth. We went to high school together and it's been wild watching him grow and evolve over the past 10 years. He's a hip hop artist that um, goes under the moniker No One. We both went to an alternative school and a lot of people at the school struggled for a variety of reasons. And the thing that we were able to relate on was that our lives oftentimes weren't normal and it was really difficult to like, to engage with, you know, education or, or socially, um, somewhere along those lines. Basically, we were just a whole uh, room of misfits. And for me, it was really scary because people were worried about me because I wasn't, you know, follow, making the choices that you would hope your child would make or, um, you know, I was responsible and nice, but I had my fair share of problems and people were concerned about me and my future was uncertain at the other another point of view my rebellious side is more like you know fuck off like i'm gonna be who i'm gonna be um the, but the people that i met there i was able to make um some pretty deep connections because we can all share in that you know even if i didn't belong with my family or things were rough at home um that i can belong with these people who felt probably the same way one way or another and it's been beautiful to watch Peter uh, evolve and grow over the years. You know, I've seen the things that he is now um, in high school. And he loved to do hip hop and he was a, a skater and he was really, he was really nice. He was always really kind in his interactions with people. Um, to see him take like the personal responsibility that he takes and to connect with people and be helpful, be of service and be of service to himself too and have fun, you know, be able to balance all of that is, is beautiful to me. Coming from a school that you go to because you get kicked out of, um, you know, what's the standard, what's available. It feels a little bit hopeless. And you see someone thrive like that. I love that, you know, and it gives me hope for myself. Without any further ado, here's Peter. The Matrix, bro. <laughs> Dude, so we used to go to school together. We went to uh, an alternative school and there were people with uh, crazy different kinds of backgrounds with mm. at least one common denominator that um, school is probably really hard to focus on. I suppose. I don't know if that's fair. I think that's a really good way to put it, dude. For sure. I was going to want, I was wondering what that common denominator was that you were, you were going to, what you were going to say. <laughs> and when you said that, I'm like, yep, hundred percent that we needed a different format. We needed a different style and a, a different approach. Like I know I, I tried to go to the, the other high school. Like I, I can't stay focused on this. I'm like, there's 30 other kids in this class and you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, definitely. We shared that, I think. And it was interesting because all of the teachers, it was like first name basis, no homework, and you get out of school earlier than high school. 
<laughs> yeah, it was chill, dude. It was a great, it was a great school. They really took care of the kids there. They cared about the kids. And, uh, you know, like you remember Joey? Yeah. Joey was like, he was the man. Like yeah. he was, he was the most like counterculture dude. And like outside of school, you'd never think that he was the dude, like just killing it academically. But mm-hmm. he just, he loved that school and the way that they respected the students. And like, he's a prime example of like how that, that form of education really works. And like, you know, benefit is so beneficial for people like us, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like, that was the school where, you know, Sarah, one of the counselors taught me how to meditate and, well, you know, Mona, she gave me the book, your money or your life. And then the Tao Te Ching. And like, those were super instrumental in my life, you know, Mm. about finances uh, and philosophy. Um, And it also reminded, it dissolved the barrier between like, um, what is it like teacher and student and in like authority figure in the sense that like, it's, I don't think that, I think there's a place for those things, but sure. I think it's um, it's good to be able to play a game without taking it too seriously. Yeah. You know what abso- I mean? Absolutely. And, you know, and I get that with like doctors and teachers and all of these things, because you realize that it's so fluid in the sense that, you know, any one of us, uh, okay, I got one. Um, when we're in school, you know, you, you do music, Joey would do music. Um, and I remember like with, at least with Joey, he was doing, um, like guitar lessons. Yeah. And the guitar, guitar lessons, like there, he already had, he had a child whole, who's it, teaching other people. Him <laughs> and Chris Vest, dude. They yeah. Had, like they had the whole, they had a bunch of kids sign up at one point, dude. Like uh-huh. by the end, by, by the time they were like really rolling dude there was like they were they were in there teaching like eight kids said it was like setting up a workshop and they those kids were stoked and i remember i remember some of those kids you could tell that their their home life probably wasn't that yeah. great and they were probably going through some pretty rough stuff that was definitely something that was really common at that school you know mm-hmm. and uh the way that um the way that they set that guitar lesson class up gave those kids something that they could all be a part of and be proud of, you know, and like mm-hmm. boost their morale. And yeah, so cool that they, we had, you know, we had those types of opportunities to be creative and be leaders at a young age, like in those situations because of that school. So, and there's this, like this barrier sometimes that I, that I have experienced where um, you might, you might, that that feeling of accomplishment is always available and it was ever present. And in all of these contexts, it was in the sense that like just get an A on something or, you know, pass a test, try as hard as you can and do that. But um, that, that wasn't, even though that was how it is like factually, that wasn't how it feels. Like even for me, it, that wasn't what, um, getting a good grade or, or achieving something in, you know, in school in that strict format, um, felt for me. And it didn't, some of these other kids, it wasn't the same thing. It didn't even give them a peer group to associate with. I remember there were some kids in that guitar lesson, um, who were really awkward even in the yeah, context right. of the alternative school. And that gave him like, you know, Joey's given him all his time and respect, 
Um, and I think he doled that out like pretty professionally For and sure. that, that gave people a legitimate opportunity to, to feel a sense of belonging where you're right. Like the kid who might like smell or the kid who might, um, you know, cause the home life, the kid might. who might be really awkward because yeah. of something that they're born with and they just are, or home life or environment, um, gives them that opportunity, you know, and it gives you an excuse to maybe engage with that person when you might not, when you're just, you know, chilling after school or work or whatever. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's little th- things like that that seem not even that major actually make leave huge impacts on people's lives and can get that that act of kindness and respect and like and service to somebody, you know, may just look like a guitar lesson to some person. But to mm-hmm. that person who who we're talking about, that could give them a sense of like confidence and a sense of like belonging, which could you know, trigger an entire, a lifetime of snowball effect, mm-hmm. you know, and change your life. Like, and that's why, yeah, that's, that's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. I, and you know, it's like, I really think it is. Cause at the end of the day, I would just really struggle with this when I was a kid. It's like, I got, you know, eating, uh, drinking water, sex, um, pleasure, I guess, chasing desires and like going to sleep. And that's kind of all that I felt that there was. And I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I perceived learning as this thing that was like imposed on me and I didn't really have yeah. much of an interest in it. And truthfully, I was probably really scared. Um, and I recognize that myself now that like learning is, a, is scary. Cause I think you have to admit that you're a fool be when you're a new at something, right. You have to sure. be bad well, essentially. Yeah. And, and like, then I get to this point where, if I can learn something with another person or someone teaches me something or I teach them, I have never experienced um, such a deep bond with someone or like you go skating with somebody, you have an adventure, you go surfing, rock climbing, whatever it is. And um, it means it almost uh, like if you, if you were to like drinking and, and like partying and stuff like that is really enjoyable and even watching a movie, is enjoyable, but the more that you do that, um, it doesn't really unfold with greater depth. Right. But the more that's saturated, right. It becomes like, just, it it takes, it takes the meaning out of it when you, when you do it too much. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure. But how does that apply to, um, learning how to make music or, you know, play the guitar or surf or skateboard, the more the time that you spend in it to a point, of course, um, produces more sense of gratification and satisfaction because in confidence in yourself. Right. Mm. And I think skateboarding is interesting because I didn't, I never really skated when I was uh, younger, but I'm trying to do it now in learning with my son but I didn't realize how confident either confident or, or careless, but I think more often than not, people are confident, not careless. Yeah. Um, when you're doing, when you're doing tricks and oh, yeah. you know, you're doing aerials with skating and even grinding is like really fucking hard. Cause you got to orientate your, you know, do, do a 90 grind or whatever, and then yeah. hop off and another 90. And I watched like a video that you had and it was in slow motion. And you see when you are grinding, you pop off and the board is like, all fucked up in the air and then it hits the ground <laughs> and, and you land on top of the board. And it's not that you have all this precision, but you're just like so relaxed and in the moment. Um, yeah. It's like, 
skateboarding has been for me one of the two of the most like two or three most consistent things in my entire life right along with music and like my direct family basically like it's been that music skateboarding man and i it's taught me so many life lessons and and like it raised me and my friend group you know what i mean like that we would be five to ten deep like all day, every day in the summertime, just bombing around the streets of Sandpoint. Like that's just how we got down. And like, I still skateboard to this day. Like I, it's been, I haven't been doing it a lot this year, but I got my, like my skates in the back of my car and I've been focusing a lot on music and stuff, but it was not that long ago. Like I was still learning new tricks, doing things on rails that I've was scared to do maybe 10 years ago, you know? And I'm like Mm -hmm. trying them and I'm feeling this different level of, and I watch it like, it's all over my YouTube. Like I'm taking a break from social medias right now, but when I'm on it, I'm checking out dope skate videos like all day long. And, but, um, I remember as when I was a kid, you know, my mom would always be like, you gotta fill your world up with something more than skateboarding. Like you have to broaden your horizons, you know? And at the time I'm like, no, you know, like I, this is what I love more than anything. Like I, this is just, this is it. And, but, um, there is truth in that, that sometimes like you need, you need to take a break from the things that you're obsessive over and that you are super passionate about and make room for other things to flow in your life. You know, do you, with you thinking that you might be an obsessive person, um, I'm pretty obsessive myself, I found, but do you find that you get burnt out on things that you obsess over or because you're obsessive, you don't? Oh, I totally do for sure. How, how much of your advice, you know, from your mom is, um, is a guideline or learning to listen to yourself more? The advice, what'd you say from like, my mom is a guy. Yeah. The advice that your mom gave you with broadening your horizons. Right. Right. You know, how much of that is like a guideline, right? Like a thing mm-hmm. that this is the way it is, mm-hmm. or how much of that is a conclusion of the inevitable, inevitable burnout of the one who obsesses, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's like a deep, that's a deep question, bro. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely is has been a guideline for, for my life as I've grown and discovered new things that I, that I like, that I, that get me going and whatnot. And like, I've, and I've like not totally followed that guideline and been in positions where I've been burnt out on this thing. And then I'm, then it really messes, like it messes with me emotionally because this thing that I'm supposed to be enjoy that I enjoy has now turned into this thing. That's almost like taking energy from me. And there's the bound the, like the relationship is not balanced anymore. And, and, um, that's like the, one of the worst feelings. That's it's a very depressing feeling because yeah, it's, it's just really confusing how you have created this, you know, symbol of this thing that is like, to bring you joy and now it's like you're working for it and you're 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 mad at it you're like i, I can't do this anymore yeah it's it's wild um and it's what's up dude yeah. <laughs> star of the show had to make the celebrity yeah, appearance, dude. make his cameo <laughs> yeah um yeah 
that's um, you have this thing when you fall in love with something um, for some people, perhaps that you, you love it so much and you love it to death. And that guideline that your mother gave you um, perhaps is something where you can learn to avoid overdosing on the things that you love, you know, and I think that that goes down to the fundamental uh, experience of all of us. Every single one of us deals with that on a day-to-day basis because the sensation of being full um, and the sensation of being like satisfied you know, like you're, you're not eating, you're eating because you are bored or right. eating because something's pleasurable. How, mm-hmm. how well can you actually distinguish the difference between those two? Like, how do you really know those feelings? And I would mm-hmm. stretch that to everything else. How do you know when you've worked the appropriate amount, you know, and rested the appropriate amount for, for, for your professional life? How do you know you're doing enough skateboarding so that you're growing Mm -hmm. Um, but not too much so that you don't go over. How do you know you're not drinking? You know what I mean? Enough Mm -hmm. or too little. And oftentimes it's like we, we look outside to these structures and forms, which I think they have their place to help direct us, but it goes back into that inside world as well, because that guideline that your mother gave you about stretching your world a bit and finding um, different kinds of experiences out there um, might alleviate you from some suffering of burnout. You know, and when and you ultimately enjoy the feeling of a well-balanced life in your mm. heart and you know what that feels like. And it might not be doing the exact same things that I do, but maybe it's a similar feeling that I have. Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think having a mom that from a from a young age is encouraging, like encouraging me to think outside of the box and to, you know, broaden my horizons. And, you know, she was a very spiritual woman and she was a very wise woman. And she shared a lot of deep things with me, deep thinking, deep feeling, you know, things about, about that. Cause I was a very, you know, I was a very confused young kid. I had a lot of questions about my life and the world and everything. And just having, having a mother who, who made that a safe, made it a safe place to tell you to think outside the box and everything. I think absolutely gave me the foundation that I needed to go out because I've been on what feels like the last decade of an adventure from going from place to place and making all these new situations. And um, yeah, it's been my, it's been my life experience, you know, and like, while you're lit, while you're in it, you're not thinking about it, but I've been doing a lot of like, sort of looking back because I've kind of gotten to a place in my life now where I feel there's like a, like a plateau moment happening a little bit. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, and I'm okay with that. I'm like working in this space and I'm really liking it, but it's giving me this time of reflection, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking back on just every, everything that made my life what it was. And, influenced me to make the decisions that I wanted to make in life. And it was things like that, like just that bit of, of, of advice and that bit of like tough love because she wouldn't let up on me about it, you know? And I'd be like, quit bugging me about this. I just want to skateboard. But yeah. So with skateboarding, was it, was it hard to, to do, to like do the things that you had to do at the time or could you balance that pretty well in your youth? Um, 
honestly, I didn't, I, I wasn't able to balance it. Well, I, in my youth, I like, I let pretty much, I mean, up until I'd say probably my freshman year in high school, I was pretty focused on my responsibilities and, and stuff like that and balancing like my fun and, and my responsibilities. And then, then it just turned into, I didn't, care about my responsibilities became really like anti anti-authority anti i was like anti-schooling and stuff like that yeah man i was i'm an intense person dude and Mm -hmm. i was intense then and like when i when i feel some way about something it's just like i'm locked in and i'm going in that direction you know and um so so i think i was really lost for for a lot of years and i feel i was you know didn't have the balance in my life between just being reckless and, and play and party and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, I'm finding that balance now in my life and I'm still, I still feel extremely youthful, you know, I'm yeah. 28, I'm 28, but I, I still have like the, the, you know, the energy and like the tenacity of like a, like a young adult, like mm-hmm. a 18 or something, just ready yeah. to go out into the world. And I'm still inspired by life and still feel so like, so, so new still you know because yeah and i'm yeah it's really cool that's so cool man yeah and still doing the thing still doing the things that i loved you know when i was a kid and the things mm-hmm. that like shaped my life and put me in the direction that i i was going and i'm doing them but i'm but i'm doing them you know in my own way and creating my own experience with it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like in, in a, in a way that you found is in a healthy context for you. Right. And, and helps not only you, but helps you be, you know, fit for service in a lot of ways. Right. For sure. And, and that's like a trip for me because I was, you know, I came to like the alternative school because I overdosed at, um, at the, the middle school in Clark Fork, uh, with like, high schoolers and I was seizing and vomiting all over the place and they stripped me naked and they hosed me down and I was still like seizing. They freaked out. They drug me over to a ditch that was like a few blocks away from the house and they dropped me off. In the the ditch. high schoolers did. Yeah. And then, uh, oh my God. yeah, Whoa, it was, what? it was, it was nuts. That. And like, this was when I was, yeah, in Clark Fork. And, you know, I took, I basically, uh, I got alcohol poisoning because I drunk a fifth and a half of vodka to myself and I was 11 and then I was taking all these pills. I didn't really know what they were, but I was like, you know, you might get this in surfing when you're like, you know, you're gunning for something that might be really difficult or committing and you want to do that in that Mm -hmm. context, that might be okay. And that context might actually be a great thing and helps push you forward. But I was not, that's not really the place for me to satisfy that there. It was pretty dangerous in that sense. So that happened. They dropped me off there. Um, a, the girl who's playing the volley at the volleyball game, she was walking home and she sees me in the ditch and like seizing or whatever calls the ambulance and they come and they get me and they like, you know, fill me with the charcoal and stuff like that. I wake up in the hospital uh, a day later and I'm basically given school probation um, because I, it was in the vicinity of a school event. And, you know, I go, I get in the paper and it's like a, a town, I don't know, less than 10,000 people. <laughs> basically well, Clark, Clark Fork is yeah. like, it's like probably 600 people, yeah, maybe yeah. like to like nine, maybe 900 at the, at the most. Like, 
Yeah, it's uh, a small town, bro. Yeah. Everybody and their mother read that. <laughs> yeah, man. And they said, to them, what the hell is going on with these kids these days? <laughs> yeah, we were wild. We were yeah. wild. I was a wild kid. All my friends were wild kids, man. <laughs> I feel like it was a culture, though. Like, I feel like I grew up in a really... You know, we grew up in North Idaho and that's like a really like sheltered and kind of boxed in place. But I feel mm-hmm. like we kind of me and my peer group, we we like made our own culture of like vibes that we had, that we were just ourselves. And like I just felt a part of something like larger than life Yeah, in that small in that small town, you know, and I don't think that's something that you might as necessarily get like. If you're growing up in like a big city and, mm-hmm. and you know, everything is, everything's more spread out and whatnot. And yeah. Well, so. And it's like an Island because, you know, there wasn't really like, maybe I didn't, I just didn't see it, but from my experience, there wasn't a culture that I was able to relate to. And, yeah. and, you know, exactly. within, when I can't, and then when I come to LPO, there's like, I could relate to everyone else. Cause most of them don't have a, they're like transplant cultures. They don't have yeah. a physical culture there. They might be like acting like something, but that that's how I could relate to everyone. It's just like, ah, oh, misfit. That works. <laughs> we like, we like soaked up stuff, stuff from like multiple different cultures. And then that created our own little vibe. And that was our culture. Like, you know, it, it was, yeah, it was, and I still am so connected to that in my daily life. And like, I'm so grateful that that's helped me to be the person that I am. Cause I love the person that I am today. And I love my life. And like, the direction it's going and what I want to, you know, what I want to do with my time here. And it's just like, it just keeps getting more exciting. And I feel like I have these gifts, you know, what I was, what I grew up with dude, that it can really like benefit me in my life to achieve my goals, to make the world a better place as any way that I can. And like, you know, spread love. Yeah. Essentially. You know what I mean? And you know, at the very least, like all your experiences that you've ever had, prepare you to help anyone else who've had those experiences, like to be able to, to have like a unstable kind of like moment in your youth. Right. And to stabilize that and to reconcile with that. That's, that's like the potential for, for a leader in a lot of ways. And, and I see that not just in people who might be like at, like at risk youth, I guess, if that's what you call it. I mm-hmm. see that in almost everyone because I see a fixed, like I see, I, I guess, fixed learners or people who, who just aren't, aren't willing to like try something, um, put themselves out there and open up a little bit. And I, I identify with that. I see that in a lot of people, man. I see that in a lot of adults. And mm. because of the situation that I had, you know, in that school, and where I've come from and where I am, I have a perspective that I can provide. And so do you, you know, because you don't, because you're not from this conventional um, lifestyle or this conventional Mm -hmm. experience. Right. Right. And so mm -hmm. uh, how, how old are you now? Well, 26, 26. I knew you were a couple of years younger. Yeah. Uh, And you're living in, you're in Bellingham, Washington or just South Cedar Woolley. Cedar Woolley. Mm-hmm. Never heard of that spot. I actually, a couple of years ago, lived in Olympia. Oh, what? For a year. I was there for one year. Yeah. yeah that was that, cool. I liked it there. Yeah. You liked it there? That's tight. What were you doing in Olympia? I had just, um, I had just 
broke up with this girl that I was in Hawaii with on the Mm -hmm. big Island of Hawaii. And, um, I kind of was starting from scratch, you know what I mean? Sort of needed it, just sort of needed a new start and somewhere, somewhere new. And I was just getting that, that itch to just go somewhere new again. Like I just love doing that. Just if I have the opportunity and I know someone somewhere and the door opens up, I'm there. Boom. So wow. You love traveling. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So went there. I had my sister living there and, um, yeah, I rented a room from her and her husband in their house and just kind of hung out there. And like my sister is the one with my nephew who's special needs. And Mm -hmm. so I was sort of like there as family support and stuff like that. And was there for about a year and then moved on to went, ended up moving back to Montana. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after Montana into Oregon and then from Oregon, to Maryland and then from Maryland to Hawaii where I most recently was. And then boom, now I'm in Pennsylvania, living in Pennsylvania. Yeah. What do you about, what about that um, motivates you to travel like that? Were you like looking for something or were you looking to explore um, the country? It was a lot of things, man. It was like my free spirit of, And I've always sort of like, ever since I left Sandpoint the first time and got like my taste of what I was capable of and what was out there. And like, just really like, I, um, I, I never was was sort of able to stay in one place for more than a year. Mm -hmm. It it was just something would always, something would always come up and it was never a lot of planning put into it. Like it was always sort of sporadic and like in the moment type of thing, situation pops up and I'm like instantly like, okay, I guess, you know, in two days I'm moving and going there, you know, for, for years and years, man, all I had was what I could carry in a big ass duffel or a suitcase, you know, and I never kept things. And I just found, found my way through it. And a lot of times it was, it was music motivated. Like I would have, somebody be like, Hey, you should come out here, you know, and you can stay on my couch. I want to do music with you, blah, blah, blah. Whoa. That's cool. Yeah. I've had some people like take care of me for that, which has been really awesome. What? So the people that you've connected to like that, you've really, how did you meet those kinds of people? Were you familiar with them before? It was through like mutual, mutual, Ah. uh, you know, acquaintances and stuff like that. And I was, you know, at the time I was, I was doing, I was rapping and I was still pretty, I was a couple years into it. And, um, I was posting a lot of videos online of just me on my webcam rapping. And I was writing a lot of songs and like, you know, I, it was getting the attention of locally of a lot of people, you know, and just through Facebook and that just, the more people would share, the more new people would kind of come in. And then, um, yeah, I just met That's I just dope. met people through that who were living in Montana. They, you know, they moved me out there. They Whoa. they had like a little independent little independent record label going and little home studio out of the garage and I was I was like 19 and I was huh. I was real starry-eyed, bro, and I and I had this I was really confident in myself as a rapper and I was like I was like, I'm just going to be the, you know, I got what mm-hmm. it takes to be the big next big thing. And like oh, yeah. all of this stuff happening and people will always be like Montana rapping in Montana, mm-hmm. but there was uh, yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah, absolutely. Wow, there's a whole and, scene up there. 
Oh yeah, bro. There is. Yeah. There's a, it's a pretty killer scene. Like I, I was a part of that scene for about five years on and off. I, I kind of b- bounced in and out of Montana and played a lot of shows, recorded a lot of music, learned a lot about myself as an artist and got, got better. And as an artist and was able to grow and, um, it was this local, you know, independent scene that was, that was thriving. You know, I was, we were living in Bozeman, Montana, which is a college town. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the majority of the population of that town is college students. So, you know, it was, so you got an audience, so you still had a, still have an audience. You got a crowd mm-hmm. dude. And like, there was a, there was a few pretty decent promoters. We, we wouldn't get like, we didn't have a venue for like, big names and big artists and stuff. We had local, you know, local clubs and, and stuff like that. And, uh, but we, you know, I opened up for some pretty notable people during this time that I was with wow. that scene and like mob deep, um, Afro man a few oh, times. What? Oh yeah, man. I, I got to, I got to like kick it tough with Afro man. He's, <laughs> he's, he plays, he got like the, the promoter that books him is like really good friends with him. And that promoter lives in, in Bozeman. So he comes, he would come through like two or three times a year, bro. And oh, it would be a high, it would be a party every time. And, um, have you, have you ever heard of, I feel like you might like this dude. Um, if you've heard of him, his name's Watsky. Yeah, I have. So I opened up for Watsky in Bozeman and that was like a sold what? out, sold out show. This was a few years, like this is five years ago yeah. or so, but this was, you know, these were like these, because the thing is, is like, no, you kind of, I came to a point where I realized that nobody's going to like blow up out of montana Mm -hmm. rapping and it was this it was gonna sort of stay in this local scene and whatnot and i and i i started to feel myself like outgrowing that and Mm -hmm. outgrowing that that type of artist you know like um and so that's that's sort of i did that for a few years and then once i started feeling myself like want you know looking for something more something different as an artist and a performer i moved on from montana but Seriously, like that was a huge. Um, I feel you in that because that's like, see, that's it's beautiful when you get, you know, introduced into that. I would almost say like uh, that local community and then the national community. I I come to this came to the same conclusion with uh, martial arts, because, you know, even the town that I'm at right now, it's like there's only one martial arts gym, maybe two. And those people are um, like, they're great for like the local scene, but they're not, they're not really offering like um, the, the level of instruction that, you know, the top like 50 or top 25 people in the country are offering. Right. And if you want to be successful um, or if you want to stack the deck with the best opportunity that you have, you kind of got to look for that culture and seek it out and plant yourself there and looking as like a you know a parent it's like you know big cities have a lot of drawbacks and like extremely rural rural like an hour away from a town has a lot of drawbacks and the stuff in between has its own you know pros and cons as well um but being like within the vicinity of a particular city allows you access to like cultures that that end in mastery or not cultures, yeah. but yeah, like, you know, 
uh, sure. crafts and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Entry crafts and yeah, absolutely. Because like you know, you got like Seattle or whatever. If you're into like uh, hip hop or if, uh, if painting or yeah, robotics or whatever, like right, you, you can really uh, get in touch with like a high level um, network of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but also cities are like, man, there's a lot of bullshit that comes with that. <laughs> For sure. Because I, I say that because I don't want to, I used to like come from standpoint and be like, ah, fuck small towns are terrible. And, mm-hmm. and then I'd go into like a city and I'm like, ah, cities are terrible. <laughs> and I go to suburbs and I'm like in the suburbs and I'm like, I want to go in the middle of nowhere. I yeah, want to go right. into the city. And I'm like, wow, oh, I don't know what to do. Grass yeah, is always I'm, greener on the other side. I suppose. For sure, man. I'm the same way. And I think that like, that type of mentality and like uh, personality that I have that reflects that is a huge contributor to my nomadic, you know, life experience going from place to place, because maybe I'll get bored with what, you know, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of times there is this feeling of like discontent for something and maybe you can't even really pinpoint what it is, but you're like, something's missing, you know? Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of times, you know, nothing's missing. You're just not, you're just not looking in the right place. You know, it's there and you're just not seeing it. Or other times, you know, there is something waiting for you somewhere and, and, and you're, you, when you're called to, to go somewhere, but um, definitely, I think um, I could, yeah, I, I like, hold on. I just, I totally lost track because I got distracted. No something. But yeah, that, um, yeah, just that feeling of discontent. Yeah, with that place to go to want to go somewhere new. It's like, well, I mean, most of I feel like most of my reality is, or or part of my reality is moving from um, pain to pleasure, and and always being caught into this cycle of like, mm. I'm hot, I need to cool off. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hungry, I need to eat. I'm bored, I need to, you know, or my. I am sitting, I need to smoke or something like yeah. that. Is that like, that's like survival mode, you know, mm-hmm. very reactively. Yeah. Right? And I've only gotten in the past, like, you know, five years or so to the point where I have a lot of, or some degrees of separation from that, you know, and I can, I can see myself or I can see all of those feelings and thoughts and experiences, and I don't really have to do anything about them. And it doesn't really mean that that's always easy. I only have mm-hmm. like little, little glimmers of that, you know? Um, I, and the funny thing is, is like all of us get hot and it's really uncomfortable to be like hot for most people. Yeah. And you, a lot of people have fans in their house, but we sweat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and then I read there's data on going in the sauna and mind you, this is with like taking care of your hydration and this is like not as hot as possible immediately. Right. But it's going in the sun at like 180 degrees, um, extends people's life by like 10 years. And if you, I think it's men, men or women, I forget which one it was 10 years, but, um, they were going in the sun, I think three to five times a week. And then I mm. think about that, like, you know, we're often trying to give ourselves comfort, which is important, but uh, to what extent and right. 
and you know, nothing entirely, um, nothing is entirely good in and of itself. Like skateboarding is amazing and it, it gives you access to things. And without it, you might not access those experiences and learn about your character, but too much of it, right. Like we were talking about before Mm -hmm. becomes a problem. And then you, then you have to deal with that new beast. And I think that's a big thing that we struggle with. And I really struggled with it when I was a kid and nobody seemed to really be giving me um, help or I wasn't able to see, see from the, the perspective of the help they were trying to give me. Mm. So it's interesting to watch you be really be aware of that and to be thinking about that. Cause that trips me the fuck out, man. Like in terms of being an adult and looking at a kid who's like partying his ass off and just like, fuck you Mm -hmm. to like have that introspection and self-awareness and curiosity. It just blows me away. And I look at that with my own self too, because I'm kind of the same way. It's like, I want to read all these history books now, but I remember falling asleep in Mike's class. Yeah. (laughs) I liked Mike though. You know what I mean? Like he was cool as hell, but that was hard. (laughs) Yeah. I never made it to Mike's, never made it to Mike's class. (laughs) I, I, uh, I dropped out at, in the my junior year and got my GED. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That was the move. I was, yeah, I got to the point where I was like, said, didn't want to be in school anymore at all. And yeah, it was a cool, it was a cool move. I actually started, like I started off pretty young. I had moved, I moved out of my house and was like paying rent at a house and like working a job at 17, you know? Oh shit. Really? Yeah. And San, yeah, I moved into my buddies. I rent, started renting a room for my buddy in town in, in Sandpoint and was just like working at a restaurant downtown and doing my thing. I was all done with school and yeah, it's like, boop. Wow. <laughs> got, a, got a, got a quick start. Yeah. And then yeah. now you're working with, you know, your paraeducator with kids with disabilities, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I, I, uh, never expected. Never. I feel like I had expectations about what my future would be for a long time mm-hmm. and they, and they stayed pretty, they stayed pretty consistent. And then time just has just been different these past few years and so much has happened and so much has changed. And I feel like I've grown so much and, and I'm uh, just looking back now, I, it's just wild to be where I am and it. And I'm yeah. so grateful. And I, and I, and it makes it, it, it uh, strengthens my faith in my, in my higher power, mm-hmm. because I feel like, I feel like I've been guided you know, mm-hmm. like there's, there's these things about decisions I make and, and, you know, how, how I interact with the world that I feel like is coming f- from like a higher um, consciousness and I'm like channeling it. And, and that's, you know, what, and now these blessings are coming into my life, you know, and these, um, like I have this incredible space that I've been really wanting to manifest for a long time where I could set up my home studio and, and, um, I'm, I'm doing college for courses for the first time, you know, at at, at 28. Yeah. I'm in, um, I'm, I'm like six months into my bachelor's degree in music production. Oh, whoa, man. Yeah. Yep. And so I didn't, you know, I, go to college after my GED. I was just whatever, travel and work and just go for it. And now, mm-hmm. you know, now I have like a space, I've got a pretty great little studio. I can probably, I'll show you around real quick. Yeah. So working with. 
Can you still hear me? All right. Yeah, I used to hear you. So it's it's modest, but it's it's everything I need to like you know make music like professional. Oh, that's dope. Cars, you know, up on the wall, two acoustics, my electric. Oh wow! Got that MIDI keyboard there. This is like my you know my desk with these two monitors. Damn. Yeah, making beats and sick man. It's it's dope, dude. It's I. It's like. It's definitely a dream come true mm-hmm. for me as a, as a musician. Um, for a lot of years, I I wasn't totally self sufficient with uh, the music I was making. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. All right, cool. Let me see. Um, can you talk to me real quick? Yeah. Okay, so, cool. You're back in my headphones. All right, cool. Uh, but yeah, I've I I had like because I've been doing music since pretty consistently since I was like 14 years old, you know, and I'm 28 now. And I definitely, I started writing raps. I'd say that was, that was my like inception into, okay, I'm a musician now. Who who taught you that? Did you just, I, I dude, honestly, it was crazy. I still remember it like yesterday, man. There was this, there was like this, I don't know, month or two month period of time where, um, I would just be chilling at home late at night, like watching adult swim or whatever. And I would just be vibing and I would just be hearing these beats in my head that I was like making. I was like consciously like knowing what the sound was going to be. And I, and they were like dope. And I was like, just having like a rave, like in my, (laughs) in my thoughts, dude, I'll never forget this. And this, this was going on for a minute. And this was, and then like one night, I, I thought to myself, all right, what if I try to put words to it now? You know, um, I'm thinking this beat, these beats just keep getting doper each time that I'm doing it. And then I'm like, all right, you know, I got to put words to it now. And then I thought, I thought of a few lines and they just went off and they all rhyme. And I was like, and I was wow. hyped, bro. And wow, I was definitely, my consciousness was, I feel like it was definitely elevated due mm-hmm. to the cannabis that I was <laughs> taking in. Yeah. But it, wow. and you know, it, and uh, I went, I went into my room, I grabbed just a pen and a piece of paper, bro. And I wrote my first, you know, I wrote my first That's song in three, three full pages. And it was like, it was this song where I was like, literally, I called it just a matter of time. And I was essentially like chronicalizing. I was like, I'm going to, you know, this is going to turn into something someday, you know, wow. like I was, I was like calling out to my future and started showing friends. Everybody thought it was really dope. And that gave me a lot of confidence. And I felt like I found my, found my niche and then just continued doing it and never, never stopped. And then that, you know, that transformed into that getting into the scene in Montana and becoming like a performing artist now. And like, you know, and a recording artist too, you know, and yeah. like learning about what it takes to be in the studio and, and whatnot. But, even through all that time, you know, I had just been a rapper and I felt like, I felt like I had so much more potential than to box myself in. And I had such like a greater appreciation for music that I wanted to expand myself into the vast world of, of music. And uh, so, you know, for a lot of years, I struggled with not, not taking the time to learn an instrument, not taking the time to teach myself how to, how to produce. I, I, I usually would work with the producer you know, they would, they would mm-hmm. create the beats. They would do the engineering. I would just write the bars and get on the mic, you know, and mm-hmm. that's, there's no shame in that. That's, that's, that's MC and like, that's dope. That's hip hop. 
but I felt for years, this like calling to just, you know, ex- expand my, uh, my art and my creativity. And, um, last year during the pandemic, when it was at its height, um, me and my girlfriend, we were traveling and we came back to Hawaii and they had this mandatory, uh, quarantine. So we were locked down for two weeks and I had a guitar and I was like, I'd been wanting to play the guitar my whole life and just never got my ADHD ass to sit down and uh-huh. practice dude. And mm-hmm. I told myself, I was like, you know what? This two weeks you're going to learn. You learn a song every day, learn one song every day, for the next two weeks. And I learned about 10 songs during those, those two weeks, just wow. three chord songs, man. You learn three chords. You can now play 500 songs on the yeah, guitar. You know? That's that 20% of technique that applies to 80% of the material. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. And it's just skyrocketed since then. I haven't put the guitar down. And I told, I remember like for, for a couple of years prior to this, I was like, really, I would get down on myself, like for not playing the guitar. And I I remember telling myself, dude, one day you're going to pick it up and you're never going to put it back down again. And like, that's the real deal now, you know? And so now I'm writing, I have an album written Oh, what? Uh, yeah, I've got it written. I wrote it all on my guitar over the last over the last year or so. Now I'm in the process. My school sent me everything I need needed to set up my home studio. And then mm-hmm. they're training me on the software, the hardware, you oh, know, mu- music theory, everything. So now I'm in the position to be like totally self-sufficient as a, you know, artist, you know, engineer, producer. And mm. things are coming together and I'm really excited, dude. And That's getting ready dope. to release some new music for the first time in a long time under a new moniker with a whole different vibe, a whole different, it's all the most genuine like music that I've ever oh, wow. been a part of making. And so I'm really excited, man, about yeah. this uh, future endeavors. It's beautiful to watch yourself um, coming ever the more closer to unobstructed self-expression. <laughs> And like, yeah, dude, straight up. And I think that's a hard thing for pretty much anyone to, you know, to achieve. But I don't think the point is, is trying to achieve it, but finding things that are worthwhile to work towards it. Uh, That's that's so cool, because I remember doing music and stuff. And a lot of that's like a lot of that's scary because, you know, when you first start off, you're not like usually not that great and yes but then that's kind of the truth with almost with the guitar with everything right you're absolutely you're like not good at anything you start out at and yeah i was shook every time that i tried to do it previous to this you know like i would i was i would chicken out basically because it was such a it was such a challenge hey i actually wrote a song it's funny one of my i would say i took a psychology class recently it was the psychology of play and it's all about how playfulness is key to creativity and success and like it's a super important thing and so it was all based it was a month-long course all based around that one of the uh one of the assignments was to create a piece of art that tells the story of a time where i failed at something and tried it again and ended up succeeding Uh and so i wrote about my experience with the guitar i wrote a song on my guitar about how i freaking and it was it was it was really dope and like the And that's like, I love the fact that that's, that I waited to go to college because I, I found a place that like, I totally 100% appreciate the curriculum and 
it's really beneficial for me. The fact that I, my assignments are writing songs about, you know, my experiences in life and shit. Like, I love that dude. It's, it was, it was sick. And yeah. So, okay. That's the thing that I think it's just so beautiful because I hated learning, man. When I was younger, of course I liked learning in ways that I didn't understand was learning or think was learning, but like, Look at you, man. That's so much work to put in things, so much effort put forward, so much grinding, you know, and look at you like that's impressive, yeah. man. That's Thanks, a lot dude. of shit to do. And uh, then being of service for other people like you've come such a long ways and it's beautiful to watch your, your spirit unfold, man. Thanks, dude. That's that means that means a lot. And that's I was that's greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, man. I feel, I feel incredibly blessed, dude. Honestly, I just, I think gratitude is, is such an amazing tool for a, living a blessed life, you know, and I'm seeing, I'm doing the work because it's interesting. I feel like I have this balance with life where I'm like, I'm doing the work and then the things just unfold, you know, mm-hmm. and the opportunities present themselves and things become easier and it like, the motivation is, is, is just there and, and it changes. It doesn't because it's not even like about a, a chase anymore. You're just creating, you know, like before it was like, I, I was striving, striving and striving for everything. And now I'm seeing that, like, I'm actually in, in the position to just create it all right now. And this, you know, and so that's what every moment feel I'm trying, I like, I'm trying to tap into this, you know, every moment is a creative force that is just you know uh propelling me propelling me through life yeah it's interesting and i think it's like a lot a lot has to do with the times like it's i think the world and humanity is going through this time of great awakening and people people are awakening waking up to their true selves and their potential that's been untapped and something that's been waiting for you your whole life to you know, to rediscover, you know, and that's what I feel like is happening to me. And I'm getting this because I was really lost younger when a lot of people, they get their life started at 18 and stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and the rest of their life comes after that. I've been still trying to find myself 10 years after that. And like, now I am, and it's like coming together in the most organic, beautiful way. And so it, uh, yeah, it makes this whole thing a big wild ride. Hey, what's up? Hey, I'm heading out to go meet up with my siblings. I just wanted to say. All right. See you later. Do you want to make a cameo? Ah. Guys, this is Annie. Hi. Hey. This is my, this is my uh, friend, Will. We went to high school together. Aww. We hey. stayed like, connected through social media for the past 10 years. And um, nice. he's. Uh, we've been talking about getting on his podcast for a little while now. We finally made oh, it happen. Awesome. This is my first podcast appearance, by the way. Oh, too. Yeah. oh that's tight, man. Yeah, I, I have, I've been wanting to do do this for a minute. And uh, it's, it goes back to that. Anyway, yeah, bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're yeah, such a great fun. person to talk hey. to, man. Where are you? Where are you you're going to hang out with fam? I'm going out with my siblings. Okay, cool. Have fun, dude. Peace. Where are you guys going? Maybe I'll swing by and say what up, or is it just... Uh, we're one of my sisters, and then we're going out to some dive bars in Downingtown. so... Alright, I'll hit you up. Right. Bye. Uh, yeah, dude. Going back to what we were talking about, how learning can be scary, mm-hmm. and like... It's like, I had this thought when we were talking about it, and I didn't... But it's like, I feel like the, the, the fear of failure... Mm-hmm. It really key has, has kept me from 
wanting to learn new things and, and do things that I'm interested in, you know? Yeah. And one of those things is podcast because I've always thought of myself that I would do well in a podcast and mm -hmm. I, and I, and I've been like, um, I've been really interested in it, really interested yeah. in it. But then this voice creeps up in the back of my mind. That's like, dude, you're going to get on the mic. You're going to feel awkward. <laughs> you're not going to know what to talk about. You can't do this. You can't do this. And like, dude, I have, I have the whole setup, you know, in my, in my studio right now to yeah. do it. And I, and I can mix it and everything. And uh, so this is a super like, the fact that I get to do this with somebody like you, who we have a history yeah, and man. you're really easy like to talk to and you, there's a good flow going here and you've done this so much that you're comfortable with it. It, it just made it like natural and it got me excited about Dude. wanting to do more and, and doing my own because, you know, I, I can think of so many people that I would love to get on yeah, dude, you know, and talk to and share that conversation with, you know? And that's dope too. And you also have like a, you know, like a music background and you're into the music culture. Uh, you could also use it as like a platform to go, you know, old school radio and introduce music to your audience as well. hundred percent, like, you know, and that's like, and that's, you, you carry a great convert, you know, you're a good conversationalist, man. And those are just blends of all the things that you have. I think it'd be cool. I'd listen to it. That'd be tight. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey man, you, insp you inspire me, man. Oh, 100%. thanks, man. You inspire me too, man. Because that's like, I've always been like a lurker for writing and music. And um, I use, I would always say that I, I do poetry. But for me, like, poetry has always been that. I don't, this isn't like for other people, but for me, it is. It's always been the the cowardly way to say, to like be into music without actually putting yourself out there in that capacity. And, mm. and like, you know, and cause when I was younger, I really liked it. I really liked it. But then there was, um, there's an out in poetry where maybe it's in music too, but like, you could just do like free verse. So you could do whatever the hell you want <laughs> and yeah, you don't have right. to have rhyme scheme. You don't have to have just, just anything. Right. And that felt so freeing for me because I would always be so afraid to like, to try something everyone else would try that mm. has a standard. Like, you right. know, when something rhymes and you know, when something doesn't, you know, like sure. when someone surfs, you know, or skateboards, you know, when someone is like doing an Ollie and doesn't. Right. But yeah. if there's something super open, open-ended, it's like, I just got to do it. Um, but I've come to the point where I realized that I was avoiding those things. Cause I went into the skate park now as an adult with my son, who's nine and man, I was really like, sometimes I'd be pretty high before I go to the skate park. So this might be part of it, but like, I was really anxious and worried because, yeah. um, like I could be, I could be kind of not confident in myself or afraid to get hurt. Um, to I have less of a tolerance to that than maybe the average person. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I really want to learn. So I, I can't even drop in still with a skateboard and like, I feel really stupid, but I know I'm not. And there's all these teenagers there who can do all that. And they're like, good at it. And I'm an yeah. adult and I'm not. Right. And like, yeah. they don't make me feel that way. It's all in my head. And yeah. I'm like, I'm said I'm high probably yeah. sometimes. So I'm like a little anxious anyway. Oh, for but sure. I go in there and, um, <laughs> I, I like, I, I do things, you know, like, uh, I make it really small. 
instead of, you know, having to drop in, I found things that I could roll over. And I learned right. that from doing calisthenics and yoga that like, if I want to do a handstand, there's like, I don't just do a handstand and say I'm good at it. I need to break it down into small little steps and I have to get good at those individual things. And that progress will take time. And that my like confidence and self-worth is not put into being good and being successful at this thing. It's mm. about trying and getting out of my own way so that I could show up because when I went to that skate park and I would just show up, dude, those high, those like teenage kids, some of them that were kind of like, like me when I was a teenager, probably like, uh, got a real rough background <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And they're yeah. really nice to me, you know, yeah. and they're like offering me tips and stuff, wanting to like asking me if I want help and really mm. trying to connect with me. And I felt welcome. And it was like, this is yeah. weird. I'm like an adult, like in an environment with these teenagers and, and I have all these feelings and now I feel like I belong in that sense. And it feels good. And they didn't make fun of me. Um, I right. felt so like childish for being in that perspective. Yeah. Then I talked it's to weird. my, my son's friend's mother. We are watching our children skateboard and or scooter in the skate park. And then I'm start, I go and skate and she's just reading her book kind of like a parent thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, you ever want to do this? She's like, Oh, that's way too dangerous. I'm like, man, it's less dangerous than you driving in a car. Yeah. And she's like, nah, like I guess. So it's so scary. And it's I'm like, like a stigma. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's how it is with climbing. I mean, that's like, yeah. I get it with running. Ah, it's too hard. Or, ah, why would you want to go run? It's like, dude, you right. get high as hell I know. off of your own body. Yeah. And the satisfaction of doing it and the sense of achievement and it confidence. Feels like, good. It yeah, feels man, good. Yeah, man, it dude. feels good. It's not like... It literally even, boils down to that, dude. Like it, that's <laughs> what, And that's what it's like. It's like, like uh, here's one. Um, there was a good South Park episode, and it was all about sex education. And it had Miss Chokes on Dick and um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then um, the other the the normal teacher who was like Garrison. Um, yeah, Mr. Mr. Garrison. Yeah. yeah. So they're both teaching like sex ed and she's like the girl at the same time, like in the same class. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah and then right. she's like so afraid that these kids are going to have sex early on. She tells them lies. And yeah. she terrorizes right. them by saying, like, you know, if you touch them, then you're going to get these diseases. Yeah. And then the kids are all trying to kill each other. But then the two sex ed teachers wind up falling in love and fucking. And right. it's like they're <laughs> trying to prevent these children to have sex because they care about them and they love them and they, they feel a lot of love for them and concern. However, right. they are inevitably going to be adults and they're going to have sex themselves. And the way that they're teaching them this is preventing them from having sex, but isn't teaching the actual point. It's actually yeah. perhaps doing more harm than good. Absolutely. And so I, I try to think about that myself with teaching my son and mm -hmm. how confused I was when I was a kid, because learning really feels good. And yeah, people want to feel good. So I don't necessarily think like now you should go do math and feel good, but like just how do I connect with kids and other adults in that place? Like my son's friend at the skate park and like, you know, and talk to her about like, you know, maybe if you just roll down the ramp, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely. Um, that's something that I always loved about skateboarding and that's kept me doing it for the majority of my life is the fact that like, once you grab that deck with, four wheels and trucks, like whoever you are, wherever you go, 
when you get around other people who are on that skateboard, instantly there's no, there's no like divisiveness. There's no like separateness. There's just, we're all skaters. Like we're just here skating, doing what we love. And like, it becomes, it's a, it really is a community, dude. It's Mm -hmm. such, it is such, such an open and accepting and supportive community. And there's no age race. Like it's just whatever you're there. You're at the skate park. You're dope. I Mm want to see you do dope shit. Yeah. Here's how like, I yeah man. Like that's what made me a good skateboarder. That's was my friends being there, hyping you up. You got this Mm -hmm. dude. Drop it, bro. Like they, we get, we get more psyched on like, like psyching our homies up and then seeing them land that trick. And like, you know, like as soon as he stomps it, everybody's just like, (laughs) like that's freaking, you're getting high, bro. That's, that's like straight Jubilee, bro. Mm -hmm. You know, and that that's something really special. And that's, I think that's why skateboarding has become the worldwide phenomenon that it is now (laughs) coming from extremely counterculture, extremely alternative roots to where it almost like faded off because like it got so unpopular in the, in like the mid nineties and shit. And then it becomes now it's an Olympic sport, you know, yeah. and the highest, how some of the highest paid athletes in the world are skateboarders and everybody and every, almost every County in the country has a skate park mm-hmm. in it, you know? And like growing up, we were very, we were very the, you know, on the fringe dude because mm-hmm. we were skaters like we were oh, looked yeah. at we were a lot of times you'd be looked at as just like people will just assume you're like a criminal or something <laughs> or like some sort of you know shitty person because you're crack breaking you're skateboarding shit. down the road and it's like clack 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 yeah. and they're like fucking piece of shit <laughs> and like that was you know that was something yeah, that's that that I'm glad to see just over been overcome and see skateboarding like really impact and benefit the lives of so many people. Dude. Have you ever seen what's this guy's name? Um, I think his name is Philippe Nunez or something like that. Ooh, no. but he's he's a, he's a professional skater and uh, he was born without his legs. Whoa. And, uh, yeah, I think his name is Philippe Nunez. Let me let me. <laughs> Jamie, can you pull that up real quick? Yeah, let's pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> no arm skate. Yeah, so he like he competes. He um skateboarder. Whoa, that's so cool. Yeah, it's Brazilian dude, I believe is the guy. Whoa. Oh, that is tight. He could do yeah. tricks. Yeah, no, like he throws, he's oh. like, he's fully, he skates like in the contest with people with legs, bro. Oh my God, that is dope. Yeah. Oh, so, he can do it all. Yeah, bro. He's sick with it, dude. And there's a, there's a, he's not the only one too, but yeah, that's the guy I was thinking of. Is his name Italo? Uh, I see Felipe Nunez. Yeah. Okay. You found Felipe yeah. Nunez. All right, cool. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's dope, dude. dude. I think he was in the Olympics. I think he competed what? in the Olympics. But in my, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's so sick. See, I've seen that in rock climbing as well. Um, people with different like uh, disabilities performing and or not performing, but having the rock climbing experience. Yeah, and you know, I, I think of this. Um, I guess a lot in in these things like skateboarding and all this other stuff. Um, like if you look at like skateboarding, scootering, and uh, BMXing, like it's 
on the very specific details, like the tricks and stuff, it's different, but yeah. the general experience is the same. Sure. Do you know, like being able to, to maneuver a device or whatever, using right. your body and figuring out different tricks that are increasingly complicated and increasingly committing for risk. Yeah. Um, and, and like, regardless of what kind of body you have, like you can access that as a person by sure. doing things that require attention and focus in order for you to accomplish them and perform them. And I wonder if there's some level of, um, uh, of risk that was important to, to, to the experience or what draws you to the experience. hundred percent. Cause like I, I found that in rock, cause I got scared of the skateboarding and I never got into it. And yeah. I always feel felt these voids in me. And uh -huh. I didn't understand how to fill them. And I had, you mm -hmm. know, kids when I was really young, but I get into like jujitsu and other martial arts. And I like really get into what, what like fighting is and, and, and fight and combat. Um, mm -hmm. And then I get into rock climbing, which introduced me to the feelings that I had with skateboarding and all those other things. But like there was less technicality to it. It's just like, you know, go up. Right. But I felt, afraid i would look left and look right and there's like 500 feet of air and the only thing preventing me from dying is that i tied a certain knot and i checked that knot mm -hmm. and there's a rope there and everything's mm -hmm. functioning as we practice it too so it's like very simple basic things but it just gave me butterflies yeah in man yes thinking about that it's like and i've like had things where i'm like you know shaking and all these other things because i'm so terrified but like i'm objectively safe you know, and I don't, for some reason that was extremely important in my development. And it mm. sounds like even when you were skating and you're like celebrating your friend, like there is a, a sense of like fear and potential for injury and a satisfaction yes. when you pull it off. And that like, for sure, you seem to care about that more than anything else See, at, the, at that time. As it, when I was, when I was, young and growing up skateboarding and, and like developing and, and learning and, and growing throughout the years, it was, it was this mentality of like balls to the wall type shit. Like you were like, you were super down to eat shit. If mm -hmm. you know, like you knew, you knew it was going to hurt really bad falling on that concrete, you know, that like jumping that, you know, 10 foot gap or whatever is you're probably not going to land it first time. Like, you're gonna, and that, that is like exciting, you know? And yeah. that like, that's exciting. And for me, like I'm an intense type of person, like I'm, oh. I'm into adrenaline. I'm, and so that was a huge driving force behind, behind like wanting to do those things with skateboarding. And, and you know, that's, that's why I, I got that with surfing too. When I picked that up, when I, when I started living in Hawaii and that was a whole nother experience oh. because that was a whole other level of fear. And really, I've always wanted to do that. Dude, getting pounded by a big ass wave in the ocean. Oh man. You've never felt more powerless to a force in your life, dude. Wow. It's like a fucking cannonball, bro. Like, <laughs> and like I've hit reef, you know, oh my God. and <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. dude. And like, um, I, I've been pushed up against the rocks, you know, oh, like wow. I got caught in like a, a, a current that I didn't know how to maneuver, oh. you know, first time paddling out into a, a gnarly area and yeah, all sorts of shit. And Holy like, crap. yeah, dude. But then it's all 
worth it. Like when you catch that wave and you drop dude and you see like surfing in Hawaii is a trip, man. The ocean is so blue and the waves are so perfect. And like, it's when you drop in everything goes into slow motion and now you're just the, the power of the ocean is just carrying you. You're flying. You're flying on the wings. You're flying on the wings of the ocean, dude. And you can, the water's so clear. You now, you can just like see, you know, you can see all the reef underneath you that you're passing over as you're, you're and it's crazy. And it feels, you know, like a, a, an eight second ride or something, a 10 second ride, which is a pretty, pretty long wave, you Mm -hmm. know, that it feels like an eternity. And then you get off and, and it's like <laughs> orgasm, climax, explosion, dude. And you're like, oh, oh. Ah. and then, but then, you know, you go out there and you just get, and then you have to paddle back out. Uh-huh. And now the waves are crashing on you and, you know, you're fighting to get back out and you're exhausted. And oh. dude, I've reached, I've reached points of mental, like such deep mental frustration and anger yeah. because like, I, cause I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get on the wave and then I'm just getting beat by the crashing waves and stuff and all of, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, man. Dude, crazy, crazy experience. That love sounds it, like such an awesome experience. You have to gotta go surfing. Dude. Yeah. It, oh. it, it's I, I, I surf out here on the East coast. I've been a couple times, like I'm an hour and a half drive from the New Jersey coast and they've got some pretty nice waves over there. And I went, um, I've, I've gone twice since I've lived over here and I hadn't served since I was in Hawaii. First time I went, I got a really long board. Um, because generally like those really long boards is what you start out on. Mm-hmm. They're easier to catch waves, but really if you're like s- surfing smaller waves. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, I just need this bigger board. So, cause I was, I was unconfident in my ability to like, you know, get back on the horse after yeah. surfing for like six months. And, and the ocean is a scary place, dude, when you're not prepared for what's going on. And that's that legit. Like, you know, when you're just assessing like your confidence level and you're meeting that, cause you just going balls to the walls all the time, right. you know, is not necessarily the best thing. So having that reservation sometimes I get that. Right. And dude, it's crazy because I think the biggest wave I ever went up against was like probably eight, eight feet or something. Mm-hmm. And that was the most, most terrifying, like one of the most terrifying moments of my life. Whoa. I was not ready for it. I, I was, I was watching the, the waves from like a, a, a vantage point up and, and they looked smaller from up there. And I was like, I can paddle out to that. And I get down there and I paddle out. And I was not prepared at all, dude. Like, and yeah, I paddled out immediately. And like, that's eight feet. Right. And then you think about there's, there's a guy named Kai Lenny. He's a big wave surfer, like one of the best in the world. And he lives on Maui and there's a wave that breaks on Maui. That's like 60 to a hundred feet Holy in the winter time. And they surf that thing. Oh, dude. Whoa. Yeah. You got to watch some of this footage, bro. Like look, Kai Lenny. Kai yeah. Kai Lenny Maui jaws is the name of the wave. Look up jaws Maui. Last year was like the swell of the century, the biggest, cleanest, most insane waves. Yeah. Absolutely bonkers. And that makes me think of dudes like Alex Honold, I think yeah, is his name. Yeah, the, Alex the free, Honold. The, yeah. yeah, the free climber. Whoa. Like, yeah. Free climbing um in Yosemite like that, that giant face, bro. Oh like, yeah, man. I uh, you know, I think about those types of humans and I and I'm like, how how frightened do we get at an eight-foot wave or 
you with being strapped, you know, roped in and yeah. stuff. And then those people just exist and are yep. just doing that. And oh man, you, I can't wrap my mind around it. Dude. I can't crazy. either. That is so insane. Yeah. Nuts, dude. That's nuts. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that like not, you know, maybe not necessarily Alex Honnold or uh or like Kai Lenny style, but you can, you can strive or you can aim for that direction. Right. And, and at the end of the day, you're going to get 80, you're going to get the same like kind of experience. Right. Yeah. Even though you're not like relatively because the hardest thing that you've ever done is the hardest thing that you've ever done. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, and that's what I found was freeing for me about jujitsu. And then I come into terms with rock climbing and, and there's like surfing that I never understood with uh, football, even though I know now you can do this with football, but Mm -hmm. when you're a fan, oftentimes it's like, I thought you were a spectator and, and that was the extent of it. And I didn't Uh realize that like, you know, for me, the way that I embody being a fan of something um, not everything, but like jujitsu and rock climbing. I look to these people who are amazing in that. Right. And, and I watch them and I learn about them even. And if, and those people, I can actually do the thing too. Like, I don't just like my whole, like love for football, right. Isn't tied up in like just watching the games. I'm actually the player too. And I think those are really incredible experiences because mm-hmm. then, you know, it's accessible to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. That, like that. I, cause I, even Alex Honnold and stuff, like he deals with the same um, base level sensations that we do in the sense that yeah. he gets afraid of things and he's gotten to where he's gotten because of a process and you mm-hmm. can follow along with a particular process. You're not going to be like a bestseller, a, a bestselling author. Or you're not going to be able to like, maybe free solo the things he does. Um, but you're going to be able to get somewhere along the way and feel those same feelings of overcoming fear and, and all of those things. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and I think that's beautiful. Cause like just with you, you know, I can, if I spend some time learning some music, I get to get in touch with the same path that you're walking and, you know, maybe learn some similar lessons that you would learn. For sure. Um, yeah, that's a, that's like what drives me to write the kind of music that I'm, I've been writing recently mm-hmm. is, is to reach people in that sense to where that they can, they hear this music and then they apply it to their own personal experience and it makes sense to them, you know, and then they feel, they feel like something that they can relate to and connect with, yeah. you know, Alex and, um, and Lenny and you are, uh, are the same as all of us, except that, you're very unique in the way you act that out and what your unobstructed self-expression looks like, because like, you know, I like rock climbing like Alex Honnold or whatever, but I'm also like uh, a guy who had a child when he was a a kid. Yeah. How old were how old were you when you had your kid? You were uh, 17. Yeah. 17 when my son was born. What a trip. Dude. Yeah, it was a trip, man. And and because of that, like that means that I can love rock climbing or I can love jujitsu 
and I can put all my chips in those in one of those baskets um, because I'm trying to mirror or I'm trying to posture like someone that I admire who's successful. But what I find is, is that I can, I want to do that because that's how I set my aim. But along the way, if I listen to myself, I find that I, I settle. And I want to settle in my excellence because my excellence is really hard to determine, you know, just like your own self, how you're like doing music, but now you're working with kiddos also who have, you know, developmental disabilities and yeah. you probably provide an interesting perspective with your background for that, um, for sure. you know, and your family stuff too. And that makes like, you know, how many people who are into hip hop are also like have a hand in like developmental disabilities and spending time right. with people like that. And your music is based off of your perspective in the world. So that's going to inform your music one way or another. Right? For sure. And yeah. music, music is a bridge to these kids, man. Like music is, is a way for, they, they really respond to it. Oh, and really? so, Oh yeah, definitely. And I play it's, I'm blessed to have this job that allows me to use my creative strengths in my daily work and i bring my guitar to work with me every day and dude i play i play a yeah a lot throughout the day and Mm -hmm. we 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 have music we have music class with these kids a lot of these kids are nonverbal, you know but we still we work so intimately with them and get them involved along and it's like you know have you ever heard of waldorf education no i have not that's something you'd be interested in looking up um root man named rudolf steiner he was a German, you know, um, philosopher and and um, scholar and stuff um, in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, and he um, he developed this type of school called the Waldorf School and the education. And there's now there's Waldorf schools all over the country and and the world and in Europe and stuff. And this oh. this particular school I'm working if is is um, it's a boarding school for special needs individuals, mm-hmm. but it's, it's based around the, it's called Anthroposy, which is his philosophy, Rudolf Steiner. And uh, yeah, you should check his stuff out. I That's feel like so you'd be cool. really, really into it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to check that out and I'll put that. So in a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with movement and art and music and spirituality. Whoa. And yeah, it's dope. So it's this, and it's like a community too. Like there's, there's all these homes on because there's kids that live there residential. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's residential employees and stuff. And, you know, most of those people have been there f- between like 10 to 30 years, you know, it's Whoa. like, this, it's a real community. And um, they, they absolutely just, it's so cool to be in a schooling environment that 100% just um, encourages creativity and authenticity and yeah. thinking out, thinking outside the box. Cause you really have to think outside the box with these kids because oh, yeah. they, there's no, they're unpredictable. They're, you know, and then there's no way for them to like explain to us what's what, why they're thinking, what they're thinking or feeling what they're feeling. So yeah, it's a trip, Dude, man. That it's is really a trip, cool. Man. But the music helps. I've connected with a lot of these kids. They, they can tell like when I sit and I play my guitar, that right there is creating peace for them because a lot of them experience a lot of anxiety and they're confused and, you know, they're overwhelmed. And in that moment when I'm like playing and singing, that creates this, they see me as this source of like comfort and like they can. Yeah. So it's cool. It's, and, uh, it's a interesting thing with music because there's a, in music, 
I, I don't obviously write music, but I have thought about it and I looked looked at like the process and the people who do it and I really admire them for it. It's been interesting to me. But you're when you're writing music and um like the actual lyrics and then and you're taking ideas and you're slimming them down to their like not their essential parts, but you're slimming it down to fit it into a song, right? Yeah, to to have something, you know, that you can... uh, Does it it take more words to describe the meaning of the song than it did to write the song? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's weird, isn't it? For sure. Like, because that means that, like, right now we're expressing ourselves, right? But what do you, what does it mean when you express yourself through music? Like... Is it like a distillation of, you know, of your thoughts and feelings in that specific song? And like, what's an instrument? Is an instrument a way to like, you know, give people a sensation of emotions? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, because I really think like, I'd have to unpack songs and songs were, I used to love to do that, but like songs were really powerful to me and they connected with me in a way that like, strict words didn't didn't really do any justice and mm-hmm, right. i didn't have to understand it so it's, it's like it's like you it's it's that it's not it's it's almost like that you didn't have to understand it it's that you already understood it immediately yeah you know like it was it was something that you so it, it's like it awakes something inside of you that you've always known you know and that and it's like that sound but that feeling that he was able to, the artist was able to conjure, it awakens something with within your the recesses of your being, and I leave. That's why I feel like music is is a hundred percent a feeling process for me. Like I write, I write what I feel. I don't think too much about what I write. I don't think about concepts and like stories. Sometimes, sometimes I do if I want to challenge myself and mm-hmm. to be creative, you know. But as far as like the music that I'm really working on right now that I'm planning on making the album to to share with people is it's all stuff that comes to me. I get a feeling of, of inspiration and a feeling of this creative burst. And then it's just what I feel, just what I think and what I feel. And like, and it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like a message to people, but it's also a message to myself. Like I'm, I'm writing empowering songs with a positive message and like with with hopefulness and stuff and like just something to like uplift people and it's uplifting me it's therapy it's therapy for me it's it's like my therapy that i'm now going to share with the world like if i didn't if i didn't share these songs with anybody these songs would still hold as much value to me and be like they completely validated you know but i also feel like the feeling that I get from this, because it's, it's interesting, like the songs within me and then I bring it out. And I, the second I come up with something, I'm like shocked. I'm like, Whoa, dude, like, this is sick. You know what I mean? I get excited about. It's almost like you're meeting it for the first time. Yeah. And and it's like, I feel like a fan to what I'm hearing, you know, Mm -hmm. like music gets me excited just as a fan. Like when I hear 
a song that I haven't heard before and I really, really like it. It's like the best fucking thing in the world for me. And then when I come up with something that I like, I'm like, what the fuck? Cause I got, cause I know I got good taste in music. So I must be onto something, you know? And, um, and then I'm like, Oh my God. Like that is something that if I, if I heard, if that was a song by somebody else other than me and I heard it, I think I would feel the same way about it as I do what I just created. So I know that this will, I know that it can connect with people and it can spark just more positive connection in the world. And so that's why I want to release it. And, you know, not because I'm an ego driven artist who wants all the attention on him, which is how I used to be, you know, and I had this whole process of breaking out of that and, and, you know, changing my like perspective on my art and and why I do this. And that's where I'm at now is, going just sharing my feelings and being like, Hey, who else feels this way? You know, let's, let's share in this moment together and just know that like, we're all, we're all fucked, you know, fucked up and we're all, but we all have potential to, you know, change it and, and like make life beautiful. So. And I think we oscillate, we have the potential for those two extremes to where like, you know, I'm afraid for anyone to look at me, like, you know, look away and make myself small. Right. Mm. And then the other one, like everyone look at me please look at me, Yeah, you know, and then you, you, in those extremes, you hope that someone doesn't, isn't just caught in one extreme for their whole life or a long time or penduluming between the two. But I think when you push yourself and reconcile with that, that's like that second stage of growth. Like I think about that for my son, do I want to, if he's, if he's insecure or overconfident, do I want to explain that away? So he doesn't ever have to experience that. And I'm like, and I, I wonder if I am taking an opportunity away from him, if I were to do that. Mm. Wow. But, yeah. That's good parenting, dude. It's hard. Cause it's, it's very difficult to bear somebody's suffering in a organic and incidental way. Yeah. You know, like you go up on, uh, you go up on stage or you go and climb and like you suffer because you're overconfident, you know what I mean? Or underconfident, you suffer Mm -hmm. because you're afraid of your environment or not afraid enough of your environment and you get hurt. Right. And like my first impulse is that I love you and I feel love for you and I want to take all potential for suffering away. But Mm -hmm. with, with, with absolute and total comfort, are you missing something? And, you know, I often find that you are. Yeah. That, that makes me think of the story of the Buddha whose, whose father, you know, was a King and and Prince Siddhartha before he became the Buddha, his father sheltered him in the kingdom, never let him leave the kingdom walls outside of the kingdom walls was starvation and poverty and disease and stuff. And the King felt that he needed to shelter his son from these things. And, when he was a, when the when the um, prince became a teenager, he 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 asked to be taken out into the city, and he saw. He it was through a series of of trips that he took out into the city that he saw old age for the first time, and he saw wow. he saw you know hunger and sickness and death, and that's when he decided that he couldn't deny the suffering of the world that you know. He, and wow. so that he left the, he left his father's kingdom and went and his, his 
goal was to how he said, how can I relieve, you know, the world of suffering? How can I rid the world of suffering? And that that's what led him on his journey and stuff. So wow. that's powerful, man. Mm-hmm. And perhaps some of the ways that, that that was, you know, something that helped me out when I was a kid, make sense of things in a way that religion like, or Western religion at the time, anyways, um, I didn't see the potential for, for giving me a sense of meaning, I guess. And yeah, make sense of things. And then mm-hmm. it came full circle and it's like, Oh, now I can see, I can see a way in all of these things. You exactly. Know? And it's, right. you know, very interesting. Cause it's like, when I have a very loose association with things specifically with like religions and spirituality, um, it seems that I have a much more, um, I could relate to it more. And then the more that I could relate to the more connected I feel with my fellow man or woman or person. Because you have a more fluid, like, um, perception rather than like a jaded, you know, rigid, you know, this is the way this is, you know, this is what I believe. And, you know, it's other things say it's like this and they're wrong, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Mm -hmm. you can, if you're, if you're more fluid with it and open, you can take, truths from all of these different, you know, uh, religions or, or beliefs or philosophies that have been, you know, passed down for generations and generations, you don't have to subscribe to any one thing, but it, it, it's, I feel like it's all essentially telling the same story in different words. And you can find, you can find truth anywhere you look. You could, I mean, Right. You could, you could learn how to tune a guitar without an electric tuner and have the, know what the sound of harmony looks like. And then I would wonder if you can hear that once you learn to naturally hear that in a guitar without calibrating it with an electronic device, you might be able to hear it in your voice and you might not be tone deaf anymore and you might be able to hear it in a violin or whatever. Right. And then you can be, then you can get to the point of perfect pitch where you can hear any, you can hear any note on any instrument and immediately know like what that note is. Or there's, there's a few people that I've seen on the internet who do these videos with their, where they demonstrate their perfect pitch and like a man in the, in the background will play like a really complicated chord mm-hmm. on, on the piano, something way out there. And the, the kid will listen and he'll say, you know, D augmented over F flat major seven and like crazy just by hearing it like this. Yeah. And I think so cool the, to the, just the brain has the potential of just knowing it all. And like, feel like it's a super powerful computer, dude. Cause that's not, cause that's not right. That's not just like, um, reciting something to to people out there. Like it's, It's actually knowing, like knowing sound at a very deep level. Yeah. And wow. Cause I think of this in relationship to the body, um, because when you do this with the, like you're doing it with music and you become very attuned or attuned to the the sound of things for harmony. Right. Yeah. But when you start getting into, when you get into exercise um, and in sport, you can, you start becoming attuned to the, the harmony of the physical being. And, mm. and the meaning behind that is, is like the minute that you get into surfing or the minute that you get into jujitsu or skateboarding with the right framework, maybe, um, you're figuring out ways to optimize your energy levels. Like it doesn't have to be super highfalutin or yeah. strategized, but like you care. 
You know, yeah. if like you're a runner and you smoke cigarettes, like not everyone, but most people are going to look at like, I want to run more. So I'm going to smoke cigarettes less or I'm not going to smoke cigarettes because running mm-hmm. is intrinsically, you know, it, it feels good. Right. Yeah. So it like calibrates you to this to this value system that is naturally mostly good. Mm-hmm. And and you can learn what harmony is because I go out and I do every day that I go out and run or every day I go out and do yoga, I don't feel my best. Some days I feel really good. And some days I feel terrible with that. Like I don't want to feel bad and I still want to do my yoga or run. So I am now have a sense of meaning and purpose where I'm motivated and curious. Like what do I eat or drink that feels this way? What does my sleep do with it? And not because it's a chore for longevity. It's because I want to play. Mm. Yeah. And straight up. That was, that was what that psychology course that I, that I took was, was all about. Oh, wow. Yeah. Focusing on that, that want to play and like applying that to so many different aspects of your life. And, and it's incredibly beneficial to hold on to that and, and, and like nurture that sort of like, uh, yeah, nurture that in your life, your playfulness, yeah keep yourself keep yourself going toward those things that feel playful and that feel enjoyable you know uh, your life will improve and yeah and you can see that i think you could see that in people because like you can see it or you can hear it or you can feel it in whatever context you're doing um because it feels natural and it feels loose i've been there and i've been like like just pure flow state man and it yeah like it feels so the monkey minds off, like yeah. uh, the desires are gone. I'm just there. So I free, I freestyle rap a lot. Like that's something that I do just daily. Like when I'm driving in my car, I turn on beats and I'm I'll freestyle to myself all day. And like, I've been doing it for like 15 years now, essentially, wow. you know? And like, so now at this point, you know, I'll get, I'll get into that flow state when I'm rapping yeah. and just the f- the words firing out of my mouth, like rhyming on point with crazy cadence, That's you know, beautiful. it's happening so quickly. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, and it's weird because people, people will be like, so are you thinking about what you're saying or is it just coming out? And I'm like, I am, but it's happening so quickly that I don't even realize that I'm thinking about it until I'm yeah. saying it already, oh, you know? Yeah, because if you're thinking about it, it's like playing the guitar, right? You can't think about the exact positioning of your hands to be able to play a song. It's just right. kind of already got to be there. But to first to do to get to that place, you do have to think it's about muscle memory. Yeah, it is, it's muscle memory. The like I practiced, I wasn't always good at freestyling. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I, I had to do it a lot before I got good. And before I could do it, like very, you know, mm-hmm. you know, consistently and cuff, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's a brain. I mean, that's my brain. That's yeah. just using my brain. That's muscle memory. And then with the guitar, you know, at first it's freaking crazy hard it seems like impossible to put your fingers in those positions to play those chords and then having to go from one crazy position to a completely other one as you forge that change that that is like it seems so difficult at first and then you you do it for like an hour and then you try it again the next day and it feels a little bit more comfortable and then 
you just keep keep doing it, keep doing yeah. it, keep doing it. Next thing you know, you're like, it's fucking butter, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, man, it's crazy. Like there's there's songs that I can play now that when I, you know, a few months ago was like really shook about trying to learn because I felt like maybe I wasn't going to be able to get that right, you know, mm-hmm. because it was really challenging. And then I surprised myself by just practicing and just doing it over and over again. Next thing I knew, I, you know, like, I could just pick it up and play it. I'm like, whoa, dude, this whoa, is man. crazy, you know? And the feelings that you have about yourself are genuine. And I think that's, it's beautiful, man. It's like, you know, no, no amount of, I don't think uh, no amount of safe space or anything like that, like can compare to that kind of experience that's facilitated. No doubt, dude. No. Um, is there anywhere that people could check out your music and um, your yes. videos? You know, people can get, you know, they can get a hold of me and check out my stuff on my Instagram, which is under the moniker KNW period one N E. It's no one. Well, I like so that. that that is that's my the artist name that I'm going to be using going forward. Ooh, that's that, nice. uh, over the last couple of years, I've gone over this through this trend, you know, transformation as a person and an artist. And I, I deleted most of my music catalog that I had on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because I'm, I was focused on changing the direction, you know, of my music and, and sound and everything. So, um, I have some music on the internet. You can find on Spotify, a project that I, I did a collaborative project I did. I put out last year with a Ooh. couple of buddies. It's called, it's under the group name is, is spelled I A M E Y E and it's pronounced I am I. Ooh. Okay. And the album is back to nowhere. Okay. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a collaborative hip hop project I did with another rapper and a producer from Montana. And that was, um, and then uh, th- that That's no fine. one, that no one I gave you, you can find that on soundcloud as well and i have a couple songs up on soundcloud and i am releasing some new music in the next month to two months mm-hmm. i'm going to be releasing some singles and that will that'll be on you know you'll find that on no one music that name right there that's i'm getting it trademarked and so Ooh, i'm the tight. only person I'll, I'll be the only person on the internet with that so you know you look that up and uh yeah you'll find me yeah all right sweet i'll be sure to leave the links to all that in the show notes too for yeah everyone. cool cool man and I'll, I'll i'll send you i'll send you something too like to check out uh some new music that i'm working on oh that's tight yeah dude i'd appreciate Woo! thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast and if you want to check out some of peter's music you'll find the links to that in the show notes i loved being able to reconnect with peter um and once again, it's beautiful to hear somebody's uh, journey of discovering themselves and trying to find their own nature and work towards thriving in the life that they want to live. And it's beautiful the way he's able to be of service to you know children who really need some kind of connection. Some things really come full circle. Have a good week. Bye.